I'm Pat Hyben, and over the past 25 years, I've sold over 7,000 homes, selling over a billion dollars in volume. In 2010, I sold my team business to my top agent and went on book tour promoting my book, Six Steps to Seven Figures, a real estate professional's guide to building wealth and creating your destiny. That book went on to become a New York Times bestseller. Now I live off the passive income streams from the real estate I bought with commissions I earned as a full-time agent. And I am committed to giving back to the real estate industry as so many mentors of mine have given back to me. On this show, we'll interview the world's best agents, brokers, coaches, and investors to help you make more commissions and create the life you deserve. Attention real estate agents who want to win more listings. Want to discover the secrets of how to create wealth and freedom by embracing the listing life without the pain of getting rejected by sellers and losing listings to more experienced agents? If so, then join me on a very special free webinar event titled How to Beat Experienced and Egotistical Listing Agents Without Commission Cutting and Overpricing. On this training, you'll discover the answers every real estate agent needs to know to instantly win more listings, including the six most widely used scripts to get a seller to sign the listing paperwork, the three success hacks to combat an agent with a huge track record of success, and the four easiest statements that instantly get sellers to pay higher commissions. These three things and so, so much more. So if you're serious about wanting to win more listings without getting rejected by sellers and losing listings to more experienced agents, register now for this special event that will show you exactly how to create wealth and freedom by embracing the listing life. Register now at hybendigital.com backslash listing or by texting the word listing to 444-999. That's listing to 444-999. And make sure to stick around for the huge game-changing offer that you won't receive anywhere else. That's listing to 444-999 or online at hybendigital.com backslash listing. See you there. Okay, Rockstar Nation, I have a great guest today. You know, one of my beliefs, which is one of my beliefs that I know I'm right about, is as real estate agents, in general, many of us tend to be false prophets. Many of us, you know, sell real estate, but don't actually own real estate, or the only real estate we own is our primary residence, and I've never believed that. I bought my first primary residence at 23 and my first investment property at 24. And, you know, I've always had the belief that as agents, we need to be buying more. And I've got somebody on the show that is going to show you that it can be done and it can be done in a big way, starting with nothing. So I'm not going to give too much away of her story, but I'm excited to have her on. Edna Keep, welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. 
Thanks very much. I'm excited to be here. Hey, Edna, why don't you uh, give everybody like your little story of life, your bio, whatever you want to call it, so they can get to know you better. Okay, sure. So I got introduced to investing in real estate just 10 years ago. Uh, my background is actually as a financial advisor, uh, but I didn't like my income being tied to the markets because uh, it's up, it's up, it's down, it's down. So we just started looking for a second income stream and decided to look at rental real estate within a very short time, as in two years from the day we started, uh, I sold my financial planning practice, went full-time into real estate. When we, when we took our training, we learned that if you could buy a rental property and earn $50 a door, cash flow, that, so that's after all expenses, that, that we should just buy it. Per month. And per month, yes. Yeah. Per month, correct. And so we decided that we wanted to shoot for 5000 a month passive income. And we hit that goal in 18 months. So we were pretty excited about that. That's what and you uh, was didn't, You didn't have to buy 500 doors, or did you? No, we didn't. Yeah. What year was this? That was in 2007. Well, actually, we started in 2007. I sold my practice in 2009. From the day we started, 18 months later, we had 50 doors. Wow. Okay. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. I want to go back even further because on your bio, it talks about how you know, you kind of had a rough childhood. Why don't you start with that? Because we want everybody to know that if you can do it, anybody can. <laughs> okay, sure, because that, that's a great story, actually. You know what? I became a single mom at the age of 16. I was born and raised in a small town, so uh, not, not a lot to do. <laughs> so I got wow. myself in some was that, trouble. And, and that was an outcry, right, at that time in your small town? Was it an outcry that oh, you got pregnant in high was, school? Did you have to drop out of yeah. high school? I did, but not for very long. I, I took correspondence courses at home, and I did finish up my grade 12 uh, half, uh, six months after than I should have. I, I kept my daughter, so uh, I had to arrange daycare and all that kind of stuff. As a single mom, my choices were a little bit limited. I couldn't go to university or anything, so I just started, you know, with some dead-end jobs, you know, waitressing, office work that uh, really couldn't take me anywhere. And my, I, I lived in subsidized housing. Uh, my daughter went to subsidized daycare. We paid all of 30 bucks a month for her to go to a full-time daycare while a I worked. A dollar a day for daycare. Man, that's... That's a deal, right? <laughs> oh, it, I, well, it was, but you know, I was making all of twelve hundred bucks a month, so it yeah. was a big deal. Well, that was, big you know, it's a that's kind of like Sweden, right? You know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I read this. I read this article recently. This guy, this family had six kids. They lived in Baltimore City, and you know, they did like a, a GoFundMe for enough tickets to get to Sweden for the family of eight. Just. Uh -huh. Everything's free. Daycare's free, you know, or it's like a dollar a day, you know, uh, healthcare, everything. It just made, it just was like a logical choice. It's like, there's no way we're going to get ahead, right? Our life yeah. is going to suck. So they just, you know, and they did it. Now they're in Sweden. And so it was kind of like that. Now you're in Canada, right? I'm in Canada. Yeah. What, in what Saskatchewan. Where, where is that? It's central. So there's, uh, it's Vancouver, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba. Ontario. Okay. So we're kind of central between Vancouver and Toronto. Well, you know, so that's kind of cool that you even had that in Kenya. U.S. you can't get that I know of, right? A dollar yeah. a day. So that's pretty cool. Okay. So you did that 
And uh, then you, you became a broker, right? A stock broker or? No, I uh, actually uh, sold mutual funds and I became a certified financial planner. Okay. So then you had this business, right? And then got out of that. And so why did you decide, you got out of that, I guess you said, because it was two ups and downs and it was out of your control. I did not like that it was out of my control. There was too much stuff happening behind the scenes that I had no control over. Yeah. And once I really understood the power of real estate, I couldn't even sell mutual funds anymore. I, I just couldn't sell them. It just didn't make any sense. And, and now, yeah, that's kind of how I got, I started working with investors and, and uh, syndicating mortgages and bringing people together to buy apartment buildings together. Okay, so 2007 rolls around, you're like, I'm going to get into real estate, and you bought your first rental, right? And what'd you buy? Yeah. We bought a condo. Okay, and would you like uh, give, give us an idea, because it wasn't too long ago, 10 years ago, right? So like, what did this condo cost? What'd you rent it for? Give us some deets. Sure. Uh, well, the really in interesting thing is like we were scared of everything. So we thought, oh, condos got to be the easiest thing to buy, right? Uh, we don't have to worry about roofs. We don't have to worry about furnaces, stuff like that. So our realtor took us around looking at condos and there was a new, uh, there was apartment buildings that had been converted into individual condos for sale. And so we drove up when I got into my vehicle, I said, oh my gosh, my daughter lives there. So here my oldest daughter at the time, had, she had just moved out not too long before. That was where she was living. And Weird. I went, that, wow. and I said, that's for sale? And he said, yeah, it's for sale. Just came up for sale. And I said, okay, I'll buy it. I knew the price. It was 130000 And it was a two-bedroom condo, garden style. And I thought, well, I got a perfect renter. I don't even have to worry about finding somebody for, for renting the place because it was already rented. Within a few days, I found out from my daughter that the people right beside her had lived in their place for 17 years. And so we said, okay, you know what? We're going to buy that one too. So we bought those two condos side by side. And we did use the equity out of our own home at that time because... Um, We'd had a big surge in real estate prices and our own home when we bought it in 2002, we paid 222000 and it was up almost 400000 So we took some equity out of our home and bought our first two properties. Okay. All right. So you borrowed some money, you put the down payment down on those, you bought two. Then what was the next step? Well, we found an up-down duplex in an area where my daughter used to own a home. And we decided that we'd buy that one. We, we had heard about using uh, or buying properties with other people's money. Uh, so we thought we would try it with this one because we knew if we used any of our own money, any more of our own money, we wouldn't be able to buy anymore. So we had to try that mm. strategy. Okay. So we approached her and we said, or we asked her if she'd be interested in investing in her own property. She wanted to get out. She didn't want to manage it anymore. Her okay, own. So, so, so somebody owned it and an up down means, you know, there's like a, a stairwell going up to one and then the other one's kind of flat. It's kind of, you know, rather than side by side, right? Exactly. It had yeah. a basement suite. Yeah. Okay. And this landlord or this owner, did they live in one and rent the other out or was it just an investor? It was an investor, okay. and she, but she just was tired of it. She, she'd had her own family screw her over, she said, and she just didn't wow. want to be part of it anymore. And so we said, well, 
you know, we want to buy, we're going to buy lots of properties. One of the things that we learned is if we, we get sell or get the vendor to stay involved, we can buy more properties. Would you be interested in keeping the down payment of the property in in the deal. And she said, well, what does that look like? Because she didn't understand. And we said, well, it's going to cost, we have to put 20% down on the property. We have that money. But what we'd like to do is at close, when you get all the money for your property, you can give us back the down payment and we'll pay you 6% interest on it. And she says, oh my gosh, I'm going to win twice on this deal. I'm going to get my asking price, which we gave her, and I'm going to get 6% interest on my money. And we said, yeah. And so, yeah, so that was our first investor. Okay. So, so, so that was interesting. How much was that? 160,000. Okay. So you put, you put 32 grand into it, cash, let's say you borrowed from a bank, you know, the other 128, right? So you got a loan, a solid 30 year loan or whatever from a bank. Dum, da, dum, da, dum. The next thing you know, after settlement, which is allowed after the deal is done, the ink is dry, she then says, Okay, I want to give you, I want to loan you guys 32 grand at 6%. And you guys are like, Cool. So then she gets a passive income at it, plus she gets 130,000 almost and has a little investment vehicle. Okay, neat. Very nice. Okay, cool. That was a good deal. A win win yep. for both parties, right? You know what? It absolutely was. And we still own that property to this day. And it's very seldom cash flowed us under a thousand bucks a month. What? Okay. So that, that was a good one. Okay. So then what's the next one you bought? Then, then we bought one more condo in the same complex we'd bought the first two, a one bedroom this time. And by then the one bedrooms were up to 130,000. So earlier they'd been less, but we wanted a two bedroom or two bedrooms. So we bought one more and we, we bought that by refinancing the first two that we'd bought because we were buying in an, in a increasing market. So we refinanced those two and bought that one with our own cash too. Yeah. I like this process and I, and I like how you did it. And I think it's important to tell everybody this because, you know, a lot of people think real estate is a get rich, you know, want real estate, I should say, to be a get rich quick type of deal. And it's not, it's a get rich slow type of deal. And, you know, I have people out there that are reaching for the stars want nowadays, wanting to buy, you know, these massive, you know, apartment buildings, you know, these big things, and they really should be starting out you know, learning the ropes by buying a onesie twosie, a onesie twosie, and then feel comfortable with the whole game before they start investing in the big stuff. But at the same time, I wanted them to see how they can invest in the big stuff uh, while still maintaining control, while still having it be their baby, right? And this is exactly what you did. So tell me about now move on to you know the monopoly analogy which is you got little red uh, little green houses and then you sell a couple and you start buying big red hotels tell me about your first step into a big red hotel okay we you know what we actually didn't sell anything we still own those condos today we still own that up down duplex but i met with a realtor about expanding because we wanted to have another realtor working for us i told him that what our plan was that we wanted to buy these 50 houses in the next five years and he said edna why don't you just buy an apartment building and i said well i can't i don't have 10 houses yet you know the monopoly there i gotta have at least 10 houses before i can buy an apartment building (laughs) and that's all from Monopoly, right? You need, what, four or five 
before you can. So go ahead. We can do this without that strategy. And that is a antiquated, I mean, it's a great analogy, but you're right. That, that game was done, you know, 60 years ago. So keep going. Yeah. So uh, he said, no, you can. He says, you guys have the net worth to support it. And, and by then I'd met somebody else who good at raising money. So we partnered up with them. They'd already owned 40 houses themselves. So they had experience property managing too, which we didn't. Uh, and plus I was still full-time in financial services, so I couldn't raise money yet. So we, I said, okay, what do you think it'd take to get this building? He said, $1.8 million. It was a 24 unit. At the time, that was 75000 a door, unheard of prices in our area, but we could see what was happening in our area. We were not worried about it. The average rent in the place was $425. Everywhere else in the city for a two-bedroom was at least 800 So we, we wow. knew we were, weren't worried about it. But you know what? The bank would only finance 50% of that property for us, so we had to raise and, and, the rest and, of the capital. Well, okay. First of all, uh, banks in Canada are very conservative, right? I mean, like very. we could probably, if, if someone's listening in the U.S. or another country, you know, they're probably not going to run into that issue as much, yeah. right? Well, it was really under-rented. Like they were not collecting the rents they should have been, but they didn't have a mortgage on it. It was debt-free for them. They didn't really care. They were more scared about losing their tenants than keeping up with, with the rents. So yeah, we raised 900000 in capital. We got vendor take back. We got a lawyer that put an RSP second mortgage on for us, and we raised capital like anywhere from $5,000 to $100,000 from different investors. Okay, wait a minute. So let's slow this down because again, we want to make this practical for those listening. Sure. So they, they come to you and they say, we want half 900000 in real life. You know, other people are going to have situations where it might not be nine hundred thousand. It could be, you know, thirty-two thousand, like you like you did with the the one deal we just talked about, the up down. Yep. So, how'd you get nine hundred thousand? Like, can you give us some specifics? Like, who did you call? What did you say? How did you handle their objections and their fear about it? Talk to me about that. Sure. Well, we had decided by this time that we were going to convert this uh, apartment building into condo units, which is something that was happening in our area. So we've been told by a realtor that buying it at 75 a door and selling them at 125 a door was very realistic. So we just told the the investors that they felt like we we're going to make all kinds of money. So we actually paid our investors 20% on their money, except for the hard money lender, which was the lawyer, we paid him 12 and a half. But other... Well, I would say 20% is hard money. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. You, but you they, just, were, they, they were personal contacts. Organized. Okay. Yeah. 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 So we had personal contacts. Wow. And again, I couldn't talk to my clients because of being a financial advisor, but I had some family members that invested with us and an assistant at work that invested with us. And you were just passionate about it. They believed in you. I mean, yes. any, I mean, I would have... If you find another deal like that and you want 20%, let me know, especially with a 50% LTV. But okay, so you you had to pay them big bucks. And I know that, you know, hard money rates are, are not 20%, at least not now in the States, but you were willing to pay that to get the deal. Now, okay, so what happened after that? So now you got this thing, right? You got this behemoth amount of leverage on it, one almost $2 million worth of debt at very high interest rates. What'd you do? Well, what we did is we started working 
working on getting the rents up in the place because they were so under rented. So we started fixing the units up a bit, putting new tenants in and bringing, bringing them in at a higher rent and give rent increases across the board. We don't have rent control in our area. So we just give uh, rent increases and we worked on condo converting it. We sold a few condos out. And so we were able to pay a good majority of the hard money back quickly. And we were also able to get more financing from the lender because they, once we had the rents up, they were okay with giving us more financing. Now, what happened at the time was though, is there'd been a lot of condo conversions in our area. So our condos didn't sell as quickly as we expected. So we ended up not making any money on that deal. Our investors all made really good money. They all got paid out every dime, but we didn't make any money. But our investors are still with us to this day. And it was well, a course. good learning experience. Because <laughs> yeah. they made 20% and they got paid back. Well, that's too bad you didn't make any money, but you know, your debt service was just way too expensive. You know, it's just hard yeah. for anybody to do that. I mean, at 20%, I mean, that's, and I think people need to be aware of that now too. You know, with some of these hard money loans that I'm starting to see on these flips, it's getting harder and harder to profit. And as the market starts to contract, it's going to be even harder. And there's going to be more and more people that end up like Edna ended up with this story here. I think over the next 12 months. You're going to see more and more definitely over the next 24 months. Sam Monreal has over 200 agents that he sifts through leads for every day at his company Rockerbox. Dale Archdeacon coaches agents how to sift through leads on their team. Both are industry experts at incoming leads and outbound leads. Nobody is talking more about this subject than these two guys. They have given me the form that all their people, all their coaches, in Sam's case, all his sifters use to qualify potential seller prospects and to turn them into listing appointments. I'm gonna give this form to you for free just as a benefit of being a listener of Real Estate Rockstars. To get a free copy of this form, text SCRIPT, that's S-C-R-I-P-T, to 444-999. That's SCRIPT to 444-999. So you got out of that. You learned a hard lesson. You wasted a lot of time. And how, how long did that take? couple of years? Yep. Yeah. It took us a couple of years. We were still buying houses and stuff in the meantime, bought another apartment building in a town about an hour and a half away and condo converted that one as well. The biggest lesson I learned from that, we wish the heck we would have just kept those buildings. Cause you know what? Today, when we're buying apartment buildings and our market's down a bit, it had risen quite high, like up to 150 a door. Now it's back down to about 120 a door. But if we'd have just kept that building, we paid 75000 a door for it. Right. And today we could have sold it for 120 Yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing. It is a, you know, again, real estate is a slow game. You know, Robert Kiyosaki likes to say, I've never lost money on real estate. 
And the only reason he could say that is because he's never sold anything in his life. So, you know, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, if you have the patience and you know that you're going to keep these things forever and you don't need the money, certainly buy it and hold long-term is a great strategy. Not the only strategy because I believe in selling too. I, I sell a lot of stuff, but I also have sold things, rentals that I've had that I regret selling looking back. But I think in life, you never really know whether you made the right decision about should I have sold this or should I have, you know, held on to it until you're about 90 years old and you're looking back, giving somebody advice on all the business dealings that you've done because I've sold stuff and not done well on it, but then it freed up my energy and my focus and my time and maybe my money to do something else. And who knows where that other thing led and what domino that other thing may have knocked over and knocked over and knocked over over time. So anyways, it's an interesting thing to think about. So, okay. okay so now, right, you have how many doors today? 437. Okay. So how'd you go from, you know, 30 to then you went back down to six and then you went back up, you know, to whatever. How'd you go from, you know, the, the little investor to this big investor with 436 doors? Well, I found my sweet spot and that's raising capital. So going forward after that, I stayed on the raising capital side and I partner with people who manage the properties. Uh, so a couple that we'd taken our training with, they wanted to be in the property management side. So they started bringing me deals and I started raising capital for them. So I own uh, anywhere from 20 to 50% of all those buildings. I don't own 100% of them. Um, and uh, And... I look after the investors and they look after the properties. Okay. Now, can you tell us how these deals are structured in a way that someone listening in Tupelo, Mississippi, in the United States, can say to themselves, let me structure them the way Edna does and take them to this rich guy in my town and ask him if he wants to do this with me? Absolutely. And this is another sweet spot we learned. So what we do when we're raising capital, um, we don't take any money out of the deal till the investors are 100% take back. We pay back. We, we'll take a small acquisition fee up front just to, you know, pay the bills and all that kind of stuff. But we uh, it, say it's a classic 50-50 deal. We go anywhere from 60, 40, 40, 60, depending. Okay, you're going to have to explain all this to, to people listening. So you, your acquisition fee, you just take like 1%, right? Yes, 1%. Okay. So you yep. 1%, you take the money right off, just like a real estate commission, but it's 1%. And then you yep. use that for your overhead and gas and all that stuff for setting the whole thing up. And then that's taken out of all the money that's raised. And then when you're saying 50, 50, 60, 40, what does that mean? So uh, our partners, so say the us, my, the money, myself and my managing partner would do fifty per, own fifty percent. The investors would own fifty percent. Generally, that's a classic. And uh, so say say on a deal, we we raised five hundred thousand dollars to do that deal. All the cash flow goes to pay the investors. Uh, and if if it's a quick quick deal, because sometimes we're able to build up 
the force the appreciation on a building, which is things like renovating, increasing the rents, that sort of thing. If we're able to do that quickly, they can get paid off sooner. Uh, our time frame is usually five to seven years because you don't know what's going to happen in the market. We have done it in as quick as 18 months, got all our investors' money back. Once the investor gets all their money back, then the cash flow split goes to 50-50. So the investors then get 50% and we get 50%. So always in our best interest to make that property, to get the, the money back to our investors as fast as possible. Yeah, but is it realistic that you're, you're going to get back all of your money in seven years, five years? Yeah, yeah, we've like I said, we've done it in eighteen months, uh, and and because we we try to buy buildings that are undervalued, uh, so that means the rents aren't high enough. They're not market rents. They need to be maybe renovated, updated in order to bring the rents up. We man manage it very effectively. We've got four hundred and thirty-seven doors. So we figured out how to do that. We know what the lenders are looking for. Do you refinance them, or are yeah. you actually paying these investors off? with cash flow? No, uh, we refinance them. Oh, okay. That, that yep. makes more sense. I was going to say, wait a minute, yeah, that'd be a hell of a lot of cash flow to be paying them off without refining. So you refi and then, then you start taking 50% of the, um, of, the, of the profits of the cash flow. And then on the upside, if you go ahead and sell it, what percentage of the profit do you get on the sell? We would get 50% and the investors would get 50%. Okay. Okay. And do you take a management fee? We do not. But we do also do not uh, manage, like we don't do the property management. The property management we hire out and they're paid to do that. So they do all the um, paying the bills, putting the tenants in, uh, cleaning, you know, getting the units cleaned, all that sort of thing. Uh, the, the building pays... Um, the accounting fees, stuff like that. We do the overseeing uh, with sweat equity. That's, okay. that's where we build up our equity. I mean, that, that's good for you. It's very high. You know, 50%, a 50% stake on, for your end is great if you could do that. I think it'd be very difficult in the States to do that. I know there's a lot of syndicators in the States are, are you know, somewhere between 20 and 30 there's people like Grant Cardone that are, that are doing these things in Miami for as much as 35. Is that because uh, things are more uh, stabler in Canada? Um, how can you get 50? Like, I think a lot of uh, investors would be like, yeah, that, that's, a, that's very high. Uh, I think the reason we can is because we pay the investors back without taking a management fee. Because I, I, I actually teach students how to do this now. And I tell them, you know, you can pretty much structure the deal any way you want to. If you want a higher acquisition fee, a higher management fee, then you take less ownership. Right. Uh, and a lot of them will just give a preference of, say, 8% to the, to the investors and, instead of, uh, you know, all of it. So if you make 15%, if your cash on cash is 15%, then, you know, the investors make the first eight and then the, the other seven is, you know, split however you have it set up, 70-30, 50-50, whatever. Um, but in your case, you're giving it all to them. So if the, if the return is 32%, right, you, let's say you buy a jackpot, um, you're giving that all, 
right? You're just giving it all, all the profits, all the cash flow profits to the investors. Yep. We call that, re we return their principal that way. Oh, I see. And that's just yeah. return of principal. It's not, it's not actual profit. There's no profit in there, so to speak. It's just return of principal. That's how we do it. We pay them back their principal and, and they, they still like have their share of ownership. So they've got their share of mortgage pay down and all that kind of stuff. Okay. But um, it's, it, the, the whole premise there is they get all their money back before we share in the profits. And what is, what is the, the housing market like in, in where you're at in Canada now? I mean, what, um, tell me about that. What's that like for people that don't know the difference between, I mean, we have, uh, you know, if, if I, looking at our demographics for the show, um, I'm a, we're about 6% in Canada. We're about 5% in, you know, actually over 150 other countries. And then 89% of our listeners in the United States. So it, it, talk to me about, you know, give, give yourself a sales pitch of why you think buying in Canada is better than buying in the States. Well, you know, we actually did some studying and, and looked at the different markets, some different markets in the States uh, when we started. And we just preferred to invest right at home where it, it's here. Is, so it, Scott, is it less risky? I find it less risky. Um, How so? But, well, uh, one thing is you can't get even financing without crossing every T and, and dotting every I. Like our lenders are very, very strict. Uh, I think that that's a safety factor for investors. I don't mind it at all. We know if we get good financing that uh, we've got a solid deal. The, the other thing that we have is a very stable economy in Saskatchewan. We've got, we've got everything. We've got all the, um, all the commodities that the world needs, food, fuel, fertilizer. It is the biggest thing for Saskatchewan, and we're not a, a one-hit uh, town. Like We've got everything in our province that the world needs. And so we, we are poised for really good growth in our area. We have a lot of U.S. investors like to put their money here. Two things. One is we're a very stable economy. We've got all the commodities to back our, our the GDP. We've got all that to back in our province. And 20% uh, just on the return of the, the dollar, right? The difference between the U.S. and Canadian dollar. Oh, right. Instantly uh, because of the because the way the dollar's down right now. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. that makes sense. That's a good that's a good selling point for sure. Uh, things are 20% off in Canada right now if you're using U.S. money. Uh, definitely. Well, well, listen, and this, this has been very, very interesting. I, um, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, how you've gone from a, a pregnant 16 year old high school kid living in the government housing and paying a dollar a day in daycare to, you know, owning 437 apartment uh, building units. And uh, it's very inspirational for people to see. And I think it's important that they see that anybody could do this. You just have to start small and just start moving into it uh, one door at a time. Edna has been so kind to give us a PDF. Tell me about this PDF that you're going to give our listeners here for free. You know, that the joint ventures is our is how we've really been able to excel our um, growth. Uh, I do believe that uh, in when you're looking at buying apartment buildings and really growing, 
it's just a lot of pressure off if you're partnering with other people. So our very first, after our first three or four properties, we started partnering with uh, another couple who'd been in the industry for two years longer than us. So not a long time, but they had, they had lost all the, a lot of their fear that we still had. So we had our hand held by partnering with them on a lot of these deals. Strengths that we didn't have, they had, and vice versa. And so that's actually the fastest way, I think, to grow is to joint venture with people who have strengths that you don't have. And for brand new people, that might be somebody senior who's been around for a long time. I teach students now how to raise money, how to be buying buildings. Uh, I actually encourage uh, some students to go straight into multi because I find that investors like multifamily better uh, because they, it, they're treated more like an investment than a house. Uh, even to be able to qualify for financing, it is. And um, so it's really key to be able to partner with somebody who's got some experience. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, if you want to get into the big stuff, Quite frankly, you gotta you you gotta have partnerships if you want to get there sooner rather than later. I know I'm in seven different apartment buildings myself. I I have partners in all of them. I have a shopping center. I have two partners in that. It's very difficult to go um, from single family houses to the you know to the bigger red hotels without partners. It can be done, and it's great if you can do it because you're in control if you can do it without them. But it's realistic that you're going to eventually have partners if you want to get into the big stuff like Ed and myself are in. So I'm going to take this uh, joint venture PDF that she has used to joint venture with her partners, and I'm going to put it in the, uh, the Real Estate Rockstars toolbox. And inside that toolbox is going to be this document she used, pluses, plus many other tools that all of our guests have donated. Everybody that comes on the show now donates a gift. All of the gifts from different guests are in that toolbox. You go in there, it's like a treasure box. You can pull out whatever you need from different real estate agents, investors, coaches from all over the world. All of it will be on hybendigital.com backslash Edna Keep. And that's hybendigital.com backslash Edna Keep. And all of Edna's information will be on there. If you'd like to reach out to her and email her, find her on social media, get some advice from her, all her info will be on the show notes there. Edna, thanks so much for coming on Real Estate Rockstars. The Rockstar Nation appreciates you. I appreciate you and uh, best of luck to you, but uh, <laughs> in your province there. Okay. Thank you very much, Pat. And yes, it's Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much for having me on. Thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Please be sure to leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening. All five-star reviews help us get better and better guests for your listening pleasure. And if you have a great review, I'll read it on the show. We are so proud of this show now with over a million downloads in 79 countries around the world. Also, don't forget to buy my book if you haven't already. Six Steps to Seven Figures, a real estate agent's guide to building wealth and creating your destiny. With an intro by Gary Keller. Sold everywhere online books are sold. You can always go to pathyben.com. And find out about all things Pat Hyben. And 
Don't forget to follow me on social media. All you got to do is type in my name. I'm everywhere and easy to find. I hope to meet face-to-face someday, but in the meantime, let's meet on social media. Thanks again for listening and keep rocking. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.